Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast, presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today is Luke White. We'll talk about Vanderbilt's football win at Kentucky and a basketball loss to Southern Miss. Our guest line presented by Michael Kendrick of the Kendrick Group. Michael is a local carpenter and a lifelong Vandy fan. He builds bookshelves, cabinets, picture frames, furniture, and made-to-order items, including a display case for my prized Dale Murphy jersey. I've seen Michael's work. He's a true craftsman. If you're in the market for custom woodwork, give Michael a call, 615-830-9458. Now on to our podcast with Luke Wyatt. Luke Wyatt joins us, as he does every Monday. Luke, of course, a longtime employee of Vanderbilt Athletics, who retired just a couple of years ago. Is very well connected, and particularly to the football program, Luke. My goodness, it is going to be a different Monday. Vanderbilt has pulled a win against a ranked opponent on the road, snapping a 26-game losing streak. It was an 18-point underdog. Clark Lee had a brutal week. Between off-the-field stuff, between the baggage of the losing streak, between having the flu, I mean, there there was a lot of stuff stacked up against the Commodores, and big congratulations to that coaching staff and those players for going to Lexington and doing what they did. Absolutely, um, you know i I thought honestly we had a better chance to win the South Carolina game than we did that one. I know you felt just the opposite, and you were right. And I, I tell you, things that usually happen to us happen to Kentucky. And that's what it takes sometimes. And I am, I'm just like you. I uh, immediately uh, got very emotional. I'm not too proud to say it. And I, I was really, really, because I, I know I've been there. I've been through exactly what they've been through. And the abuse you take and the abuse those kids take, which is another subject altogether that, I, that drives me nuts. But uh, just a huge monkey off your back. And you have to have that. To get to make the next step, it's so much easier to make corrections in meetings. It's so much easier to teach after a win, and especially breaking this streak, which you know everyone talks about it as a 26 game streak. You don't really have to look at it that way. To me, you look at it that Clark had lost whatever 13 in a row, whatever it was. Uh, but anyway, it's over with now, and we can move forward. And it's just a breath of fresh air. You speak about having a good idea of what is going to happen next by what happens during practice. I was at practice last week. I took note of what was going on around. And as I said, I did not think that was an awful matchup for them stylistically because of things I thought they could do to exploit Kentucky. That is exactly how it played out. But when I was at practice last Tuesday, There were two things I noticed. One was Davion Davis, who did not play, but Davis has had an injury, has been rehabbing it all year. That's a kid that doesn't have a lot to play for right now. I mean, he may be able to get back, he may not, but the intensity with which 
he was going through drills last week. That's a kid who has been here a long time, who could have let everything beat him down the way it can in this program. And the way that he was going at his job, I thought, okay, maybe that's a good omen. The second thing was just you could see some smiles in a looser atmosphere. No, that can go off the rails in another way. That could be a what the heck, you know, who cares at this point. That's obviously was not how the team took it and played. I just thought the fact that you didn't see a lot of heads down in that situation. And, and look, the losing is one thing. The Dan Jackson thing, whatever you want to think of that, and you can think whatever you want. That was tough on those coaches and those players, I believe. Oh, my goodness, yeah. I mean, th- th- that those are close-knit groups. You spend a lot of time with those guys. And so to have that happen on top of really what was a disappointing performance. Like, I think if they went back and played South Carolina again, I don't know how many times they win it if they play it 10 times, but it's not zero. No. And so you've 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 kind of lost maybe, you know, one of your best shots to win a game. All that comes crashing down on you, the burden of the losing streak. I just thought not just winning the game was impressive, but to get through all that junk to get to that point was maybe more impressive than than winning the game is just putting yourself in that position to be there. You know, I think that's what when I say Clark is doing a good job, that's why. I think I was at practice the week before and saw the same thing. And I, I felt like, and that was after the close loss to Missouri. And I felt like, you know, I'm looking around because I was checking out, you know, I'm big on the body language thing. And I've seen it when I was at Vanderbilt. I could tell, I could almost have told you how we were going to perform. Not that we would win or lose, but how the mentality would be to kick off a football game a lot of times over the years. And, and, Clark has circled the wagons. He's gotten all those guys thinking the same way. He's just about cleaned out all the cancers, all the problems. So they are, they're in this together and they feel that, that they have to, uh, they don't feel the pressure. I don't think that most teams would feel they were, they were 0 and 26 or whatever you want to look at and hadn't won a conference game. I, for some reason, he's able to absorb it himself. He and his coaches and keep those players confident because those kids still play with confidence. It's, you know, they, they do. And they, they don't realize that they're Oh, and, and that may be the kids today. You know, it may just be kids, you know, that they don't remember anything from the day before. And it's just the next day we're playing football, having a good time. And I feel like Clark's done them and his staff has done a tremendous job with that. Yeah. A couple things I said before the season, that if he got to four wins, then I felt like I he ought we, to be in the running for coach of the year in the SEC. Now, that's not going to happen. That's going to go to Josh Heupel, and deservedly so. But just to circle back to preseason expectations, uh, that's part 1A of where they are. And 1B would be, I said, I thought a successful season was going to be really not more wins and losses as much as that the how. And I think I said right. that I wanted the the sum of games in which they either won or were right there midway through the fourth quarter with a shot to win to equal five. They're there now because they had a close loss to Missouri where they had a shot to win in the last two minutes and did not. Uh, maybe you could say South Carolina fits in there too. 
um, depending on how far you want to stretch it. But anyway, they have they've accomplished both. Yeah, the turnovers against South Carolina was the reason we, it wasn't. A, you know, we, and you can't ever you can't ever take away things, but if you take away the turnovers, that's definitely a fourth quarter game. Yeah, uh, let's see other things. You can see development now, right? You can see an offensive line that's getting better. You've With got a receiving. Starters. Yeah, was it was it three down? Two or three? I, 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 was it Castillo? Well, Castillo was... and Ashmore were gone. That's that's right. I forget about Castillo. Yeah. yeah. So you've got that. Yeah, that in itself is amazing. You know, if you have an in, internal staff coach of the year, you got to give it to Blasey. Yeah, he's done a tremendous job. That they have been one of the better teams in the league at preventing sacks. I look at the pro football focus grades a lot. I think the offensive line's gotten shortchanged. I'm, I can't find the grades from this week, but I felt like they were opening some holes against South Carolina. They did it at times. I think against Missouri, I, the grades didn't always reflect that. I'm not an expert on line play, but when you see holes and guys running through them, uh, if that's not on the offensive line, I don't know where where you put the credit. Well, I think where they get downgraded a bit is, and I don't know the stats on this, but I'm just uh, watching our games. You know, when you're not as athletic as someone across from you, that's where you get the holding penalties or you jump a little early. And I think that's the negative. They're very smart kids. They do a good job picking up twists and stunts and that type of thing a lot of times. But they'll get more holding penalties than the, than, than most teams because when you're not as athletic, your feet, you got to, you can't move your feet as quick. You're going to reach and grab jersey. It's a human, I mean, you can't even help it. It's just a human reaction. I think that's where the negativity maybe uh, comes out against, against the offensive line. But they've been, uh, they've done a great job. But I mean, they haven't been penalized that much. They're, no. I don't know how many penalties have gone against the offensive line, but I think they're third or fourth in the league in, in penalty yards in a good way. So, Right. To me, I I still am a little bit perplexed. Anyway, I, a lot went against them. I, I thought the, the key play of that game, Mike Wright gets picked on fourth down, down yep. the stretch. The, the call comes back because a Kentucky defensive lineman knocked a Vanderbilt player's Helmet off with an illegal hands to the face. Legitimate call. Was it a big and lucky break for Vanderbilt? Yeah, it was. I don't know that it really affected the play that much, but those are the rules. You've seen those calls go against Vanderbilt before. And next play they pick up and they throw a what is a 41-yard pass to Quincy Skinner who makes a nice move. And that's the other thing. Shepard makes the game-winning touchdown catch. Skinner is now... Made big plays two games in a row. Gamarian Carter had that big reception a couple weeks ago. Jaden McGowan has done things. The line's played better, even though it's been hurt. You've got three quarterbacks on the roster who've done things at times. Ken Seals still doesn't have a snap this year, but he's had 300-yard passing games in the league before. Ray Davis has been about as solid as you can get. You can now look at that offense. And by the way, most of those guys should be back next year. And you yeah. can kind of get excited about what they're doing there. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, 
not to sing like certain kids, but the Humphreys kid coming in at receiver is just going to add more depth to that receiver room. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm excited about you can just see, and it's very small incremental, but you can see the depth that we're developing with these young kids. Now, they're the ones that maybe miss the tackles on defense and that type of thing, but you can still see they're going to be there. And, and they're going to get there as, as SEC quality football players. Yeah, Joey Lynch has come under a little bit of fire from the fans lately. I haven't really understood that. I do think that, yeah, there's been times the play calling's been a little vanilla. I've had quibbles with how they've used Mike Wright at times. I think they should run him more. I thought they certainly should have in the Missouri game. And there were the disastrous performances against Alabama and Georgia, but I, I sort of, given where those programs are, uh, t- to me, those that part's secondary. I, I thought Lynch called a good game Saturday. I mean, that play call to with Wright where he breaks the touchdown run, I don't know yep. that they'd shown that look before with the fake end around to McGowan. I, I think that they're running the ball pretty well and, and finding their spots. Mike Wright is is not going to lead the SEC in passing, but he was in position to make some plays and did make some plays. I think you got to be pretty happy, and this is a little redundant from where we just went about where they're headed. And I thought I think Lynch has done a solid job. I mean, you look at how much they have improved from last year. What that's is that two straight games where they've been over four fifty in total offense against sure. SEC teams. Uh, that that's one criticism I have not understood. I'm not saying I'm right and everybody else is wrong, but that one's puzzled me just a little bit. Well, would we have ever thought this at the beginning of the year? Who's the best quarterback on the field, Will Levis or Mike Wright? Yeah. Now, Levis has been hurt and was probably playing hurt, and I get that, and, and I don't think their line could protecting it's me and you pass rushing right now, but still. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't know where that fell apart for Kentucky because early in the year that wasn't a problem. Um, you know, there's one play I got to mention. You know, the long run that we gave up to Rodriguez. Have you seen the yeah. photo of that for being held? No. And there's no call. Christian James, this guy's got his arm up around his neck and pulling on the other opposite side of his shoulder pad. It's a, it, I mean, that play doesn't happen without that hole. You, I, I'll have yeah. to send you the pick incredible i i had not seen that but i mean look that that is a backbreaker that that is the time that 95 times out of 100 in the past that's ball game right there absolutely that's what's so encouraging yeah yeah well and defensively you're finally finding some things to be encouraged about a little bit no the, the carolina game they were awful and Kentucky and Missouri are not good offensively, but they have they've not stopped bad offenses before. So they did that this time. Now, now where I get issues with Howell is I feel like they they sit back, and I've said this before, they sit back in in a soft coverage. They don't get aggressive on the receivers, and they drop a bunch of guys in the coverage, and that's designed to to not give up big plays, which they do anyway. I I said the reason I thought they had a shot against Kentucky is you looked at what they did to Missouri in the second half where they started bringing pressure and they pitched a shutout in the second half of that game. Well, that's what they did pretty much all of Saturday, and it worked. Absolutely. I think think another key thing that 
I noticed in the game, and uh, I'll ask you, Chris, how important you thought this was, the moving Jalen Mahoney to safety. He played a lot of safety yeah. Saturday. I think yeah. that's huge. Because now you got a sure tackler, so those 45-yard gash plays become 20-yard plays. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing. They are starting to find some pieces on that side of the ball. Now, they still need a lot on the line. I mean, right. they need they need things everywhere. They need corners. They need they need better safety play. There's not anything on defense that that they couldn't stand to improve on, pretty much. But I thought Mahoney played well. C.J. Taylor was tremendous. Dariki yep. Wright has has shown some things. Like Wright can get put in spots where he looks bad, but there's talent there. He's a piece somewhere. Christian James has played well. Nate Clifton played well, blocked a kick. Michael Lewuso played pretty well. But you look and you say, I don't know if Mahoney can come back for another year because of COVID. I, I think he can. Wright's got another year. Taylor's got a couple more years. I think Wright's got a couple more years. Uh, maybe Christian James is a kid. I'd have to look. I don't know if he can take a COVID red shirt and come back. Clifton, I think, Scott, maybe another year under that scenario. Devin Lee, who played a lot of snaps and played well, will be back. Um, Ethan Barr's got another year. Kane Patterson, I think, has got another year if he wants it. And then you still got all those defensive backs as freshmen who I think are, are pretty decent athletically. They hadn't played most of those guys. You look up on that side of the ball, and, and their defense has still got a long way to go. But now you can squint a little bit and at least see where that gets better next year. You know, I, I like to make comparisons, and to me, and, and I've said this before, the George McIntyre way of building is very close to what Clark has done. You know, George went one, two, four, and eight. Clark's gone two, four so far. Hopefully, five Saturday. Uh, I but his philosophy and Coach McIntyre's philosophy was the same. Uh, teach these kids, and by the time they got that big senior class in '82, is when they I think we had 26 seniors that year. Uh, that was when we were one of the best teams in Vanderbilt history. Are you ready for the mailbag? Let's do it. Okay, the mailbag is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call. That number is 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Okay, poor Vandy fan six one five. And by the way, we've got about twenty questions in the mailbag. I don't think I've got the energy, and I don't think you've got the time to do them all. We're going to go through the current ones first before we hit the wayback machine. If we get there, so we will start with poor Vandy fan six one five. What an awesome win! I'm happy and proud for the kids and staff. What will a win like this do for the morale of players, coaches, and staff in the remaining games? How much could a win like this help in recruiting? Well, I think the main thing is I, I, I spoke about it earlier. You now got the kids' eyes and ears. It's so much easier to make corrections when you lose, win a game. Uh, the kids pay more attention in practice. They, uh, they're, they're in a better mood, so they're more locked in in practice. It's just a good feeling because they love that feeling. There's nothing like those five, ten minutes in the locker room after a win like that. There's nothing like it. I've been involved in a bunch of them. 
and the uh, benefits you get from that, it's uh, it's it's countless. Next one, what did you think about the talent differential between Vanderbilt and Kentucky? Well, talent-wise, Kentucky's, I mean, you know, they're 24th in the nation. Um, they have a running back, you know, he had one big run against us, but he is a tough, tough, he'll be starting Oh, he's in NFL. an NFL back, yes. Yeah. They have a quarterback. I, I know he's wasn't 100%, but Will Levis, you know, he's been under a lot of criticism, but he will be an NFL quarterback. So they've got plenty. They got receivers now. I will say this: I think the reason why we did better in the secondary is because their receivers are young, and we were able to do some things probably that they had not seen, maybe, and that helped us there because uh, the the key kid and I can't remember the other one's name. They're good receivers. They really are, but and very fast. But uh, they're not experienced enough. They're not as experienced as what we've gone against. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. Um, okay, Ann Arbor So I agree with you both about talent differential, but ultimately untimely holding and personal foul penalties and turnovers are maddening. Who do you blame for those? The players for the penalties or for the coaches for not teaching better habits? Uh, Look, they can improve on some things, but again, you look at where they rank in penalties. I think they're third or fourth in the league there. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's not it's not like they've got an awful problem there. If you look at the stats, no, I think I think what he's what he's speaking of is the timely you know it's untimely penalties. And as when you're a fan of a certain team, you you watch a football game and there's penalties going on, you don't even pay attention to them unless you've got a dog in the hunt and. We all are guilty of this. It seems like, you know, when we get a penalty, that's the worst thing in the world. But that's just human nature. I, I get it. But I think we're we're okay with that. I, I'm not worried about that at all. Okay, five-star door. The win in Lexington was fantastic. One thing I noticed was multiple missed tackles on nearly every defensive play. Most of them are poor form, mostly arm tackles. Is that due to lack of talent or inadequate coaching and practice? Well, the younger guys... I think it's just inexperience. Uh, you know, they're used to tackling the guys they tackled in high school, and they haven't gotten to the point now where, okay, I got to wrap up and drive through and, uh, you know, drive a hole through his chest to get him down. They think they can tackle like they did in high school, and that's a tough lesson to learn. You got to get burned a few times before you figure it out. You got to do a better job with that. Now, the veteran guys that miss tackles, that's the talent part. So that's the way I look at it. It's two different things depending on the experience of the player. 
I'm looking at pro football focus. I'm not going to call out players here, but there were there were five starters who had well, four starters and one key reserve who had really bad tackle numbers on Saturday. The yeah. the rest were the rest were pretty good. I, I think the problem, well, first of all, they still don't have an SEC level defensive line in terms of front end personnel and depth. Although, having said that, those guys played Played their shorts off Saturday. I thought that James had a good game. Clifton had a good game. I mean, that they played really, really well. But the problem yeah. is, you you get a big physical back like Rodriguez, who gets through the line with the head of steam, and that was happening, and it makes it a lot harder to bring that guy down in the open field. I I think that is where the problem started. I'm not absolving. The defensive backfield of missing tackles, but let's let's be real about that too. And no, you're correct. But, and, and and it even uh, is worse in the third and fourth quarters when you're starting to get wore down. You've been hitting him all day. You know, you that's when it gets tougher. You can't get low enough on a guy like that. And uh, you know, so a lot of times you don't want to stick your nose in there the way you sh- should. Okay, let's see what we got left on the current situation. Okay, this is from Musa. Luke, you were understandably very high on Clark Lee based on your comments from the podcast last week. The question's a bit awkward after getting a win at Kentucky, but what would it take for you to lose faith that he's the man for the job? Uh, I would lose faith if Clark changed who he was. If he started doing things that uh, past coaches have done, if you start hiring friends instead of people you think can do the job, uh, if you retain coaches that are your buddies, you know, I, I've seen that happen a lot, and not just at Vanderbilt, in college football in general. Um, that's the only thing that make me lose faith in it because otherwise I, I, I'm sold. Yeah. Um, a lot was made of his stoic demeanor. And I get it that there are times that it it has feel like they've needed a little more rah-rah, but I think what you saw Saturday was sort of the flip side of it. I think by not getting emotional over things when, when just the wheels have looked like they've fallen off at times and, and did the Tim Corbin thing where he tries to keep his team even keeled. I think that's paid off in this spot. And I thought the scene after the game was pretty cool. Um, You could see how much that win meant to him. Yeah, I mean, I I, I thought that was kind of telling. Chris, and and, 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 uh, I'm not there anymore, but when you're in the fight, when you're involved on any level, whether you're a film guy, equipment guy, player, coach, when you live, you're there more than you are with your family. And it's not even close. You put so much into it. And football, especially because of the physicality of it and the hard, hard work you put into it, without the reward of winning, it is tough to continue to keep chopping wood. And they've done that. The kids have done that. And the coaching staff has done that. That's why he's so proud, because he knows how hard they've worked and how much they get abused in the media, abused on campus, abused by not having a huge fan base, that type of thing. That's why he got emotional. Okay, Believe 22 has a question about whether they can beat Florida on Saturday. 
Sure. They can beat Florida. They can beat a lot of teams. Now, Florida's more athletic than Kentucky. Speed yeah. I know Kentucky them early in the year, but that's when everybody's fresh and feeling good and everybody's executing and excited about playing those first two or three weeks. Um, if Kentucky played Florida today, I don't think they beat them. So I think the Florida game will be tougher to win, but can we do it? Absolutely. It's the same formula. It will be every time we play. Play close. Don't turn the ball over. Get to the fourth quarter. Have a chance to win the football game. They're going to have to do better on the lines of scrimmage because the problem with Florida, they got fast dudes. At running oh, back, yeah. they got a quarterback like that. And if you get those guys in the secondary, and they're, and they're big, sturdy guys who can run, starting with a quarterback. You saw how that played out a week ago. They've got to not be in that position this Saturday. No, Anthony Richardson has improved. I, I, when I watched him early in the year and against Tennessee, he didn't play great. But he's gotten more consistent. He's cut out some of the mistakes he was making. Some of his decision-making has been better, uh, you know, we really have to keep reins on him because he's also one of them kids that can take it to the house anytime. This next one, curious if you have any insights in the McIntyre family and how they view Vandy as a potential landing spot for their son. Well, I, I'm friends with his uncle, Mike. Uh, I, I know his, his dad, uh, played at Western Kentucky. And uh, I, I just, you know, I, I don't know how the kid, I don't ever ask that. I don't feel it's my place to say, hey, is he going to go to Vandy or what does he feel about Vandy? I don't. I, I do think this, I think we have a shot of getting him. Uh, I don't know what percentage that is. I think everybody in the conference has offered him except for a couple of teams. So, you know, he's going to have his choice. And I know he's a good student and works hard. So maybe he'll want to go where he's, or, uh, or, or George Coach. Uh, let's hope so. Bobby, two times, who's the best player you've ever seen play at Vanderbilt? How soon can you tell about a team's mental and physical toughness? And which team does this team from the past remind you of in those areas, knowing you're not around them every day? That's two different questions. I should have split it up, so my apologies. Okay, let me let me go with the first part first. If, uh, if I can take a uh, offensive player and a defensive player as far as the best ones I've ever seen, there's not much separation in a lot of them, as you know. Pound for pound, I have to get two guys on defense, Corey Chavis and Casey Hayward, uh, pound for pound. And then on offense, um, Will Wolford as a lineman, no doubt, is the best I ever saw. And getting the most out of his ability, no question at all about that one. It's with Taylor. Surprised Jay Cutler didn't come up here. Jay's a great – it was a great talent, but Jay had tons of talent. Uh, Witt didn't have the talent Jay Cutler had. Yeah, well, no, that's not what I meant, but just in the discussion of the best. Mean. But Wolford did play – I mean, Wolford was an all-pro lineman in the in the league for a long time. So, okay, let's see what we've got next. Oh, well, the, the question about the team's mental and physical toughness and who this team reminded you of. Um, this team reminds me a lot of some of Bobby Johnson's teams that you go back and look at the end of the year and you, you go through the woulda, shoulda, coulda team, and instead of winning two or three games, they could have won five, six, or seven. That's the kind of team it reminds me of. Um, there were, there's a lot of teams in Vanderbilt history that have been that way, but that's 
that's the, you know, just not quite there yet talent wise, but given everything they got to get there. This is sort of the, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We, there was a second part of that other question that we missed. Oh, oh, that's, I, I think I asked you that just now. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, a couple more. I've, I've been, I've been podcasting all Sunday night and all Monday morning and I'm starting to hit a wall. Uh, well, that, that's, that's all I do anymore between this and the, the SEC thing I do. So let's see, uh, go doors 94 asks about the matchup against the Gators. I know that's a little different question. Can the, to, can they win? I'll, I'll give you my take. Cause I watch a lot of SEC ball again, Florida can run the heck out of the football. Uh, Richardson's gotten better as a passer, hasn't thrown a pick in a while. They are playing so well right now. They're leading the conference and turnover margin at plus 10. They're the least penalized team in the league. I think Billy Napier is going to kill it down in Gainesville. I think I Florida's more talented. The, the problem is you need a team to kind of beat itself, and Florida just doesn't do that. I, I think I'm not saying they can't win. But I think if you're going into the game thinking Vanderbilt's going to win this game, I, I think your expectations are a little misplaced. Um, my formula for this one, if you had to, to win it, here's what has to happen. First of all, you've got an 11 o'clock kick. Uh, I know Florida never likes playing in cold weather. I know that for a fact. <laughs> and uh, the times that we beat them here at home uh, – it was a cold day, and I just remember the, the weather. The, the couple of times we beat them at home was bad weather, cold weather. Secondly, I think we have to play a first half like we did against Ole Miss. Play that half, and then in the second half, we have to be clean as we can be, and again, you have a chance in the fourth quarter because that's when the athletes, and when you get down and you're starting to get a little tired and the defensive line starts to wear down some, and like you said, they can run the heck out of the football. That's what you. That's when you got to just hang on and hope you. Hope you. We're not going to be able to play from behind and win it. We've got to get that lead and then try to hang on to it. Looking at the weather forecast, what forties? Maybe you got lows in the twenties all week. Saturday, this is on the weather app. Low of twenty-one, high of forty-four. And it is going to be sunny, but I'm guessing you're looking at what a thirty-eight degree kickoff temperature or something like that maybe yeah maybe not even wind? that yeah the wind is important uh, it doesn't say anything on wind here but okay. it doesn't okay. not say it either so yeah I, I just know for a fact they they hate playing cold weather it's so funny i you know being on the field for all those years when florida would come in here and play us early most of the time the kids come out and throw footballs around and just you know in their shorts and tees florida would come out full sweats and uh, they wouldn't stay out there long. They'd be back in the locker room. Okay, couple more. I'll, I'll hit the wayback machine here. This is from Fake Vandy Lance. Why did Bobby Johnson leave so abruptly? Uh, I can't speak for Bobby, but I, I do think I know that. Uh, number one, uh, I think he was being encouraged to get rid of some of his coaches, and he didn't want to do that. That's one. But I that's think true. The, I think the one thing that bothered him was the Rajon Bennett situation. Uh, it was the second one he'd been to, different situations, but the second 
death he had been through, and it really got to Bobby. And uh, uh, I think he was just ready to walk away. Okay, I'll do I'll do one more, and I'll go with this one. Viewperior says, "What was your favorite Vandy bowl game, and what was a unique story associated with it?" My favorite Vandy bowl game was the when we finally broke the long streak and uh, the Music City Bowl here that we won. I think was fourteen to thirteen or sixteen to fourteen, or when uh, Brett Upson was the MVP, the punter. That that was great because you had fifty five thousand Vanderbilt fans. There was no Boston College fans there. It felt like a reversal of everything you see in Vanderbilt history. Uh, we finally broken through and won a bowl game. As far as the story, I go to a different bowl game. It's kind of funny. The uh, Liberty Bowl in Memphis that we lost to, I think Cincinnati. After the game, we're we're loading the truck. We've already left the Liberty Bowl tunnel. Uh, we're up in the parking lot. We, we're getting ready to lock the truck up, and a representative from the Liberty Bowl comes running up there with our with our trophy. You, you get a you get a runner up trophy, <laughs> and it was just left at the press conference. No one took it. Oh man, that's that's <laughs> typical James Franklin right there. And there you go. Yeah. Well, I know there was a, a basketball game over the weekend. Uh, neither of us saw it. Uh, that's that's I'm an awful loss. Yeah, well, that's me and you both. I, my daughter had a play, and I, I couldn't get any reception. Uh, for whatever reason, everybody else was getting getting reception inside the hall. I was going to check scores occasionally, and I, I start getting texts as, as it's over that they lost the game, and I couldn't believe it. Uh, but, I mean, that's just – yeah, that they have well, not looked good through two games. Well, I've got. A, I was at a football game, uh, and uh, you called me, and I, I was kind of out of it. And then you said we lost. I said, "Wait a minute!" I, I, you said Vandy lost. I said, "Lost it? What?" I'd forgotten that the game was that night because I knew I wasn't going to be able to be there anyway. And then when you told me that, I go back and look at the stats and look at the post game comments by Jerry. And I, you know, I hate to make it sound so simple, but it's one thing and one thing only. You got to be able to put the ball shoot. in the basket. Yeah. If you can't make shots. Look at Tennessee and Colorado yesterday. Tennessee's supposed to be the 11th ranked team in the country. Yesterday, they looked like about like us. They couldn't they couldn't make a shot. Uh, Colorado had just got beat by Grambling, you know. And I know it's early in the year, and that's a lot of this. I, you know, I, it's it's easy to overreact. If this was game two in a football season, I'd be really stressed out. But we still have 29 more basketball games, so. You just got to figure out the seven or eight guys that you can depend on. That's the other thing. I know right now he's got 13 guys he's trying to get playing time. That's not going to work. You got to uh, you got to trim that number down to at least nine or ten and uh, figure that part out. But uh, if you can shoot, uh, we'll take you. Yeah, and I was when I called you, I'd forgotten that you were at a high school game. I was calling you to ask what in the world happened, but <laughs> when. I mean, when you're at a point where two games in the season, you've you've benched your starters right. down the stretch of a of your opener, and those guys are on the bench to start a loss to. I mean, frankly, I think that might be that that's probably the worst loss in Vanderbilt basketball over the 20 years that I've covered it in terms of how bad the team was that beat them. You could say Maris the year that Stallings lost to them 2012 or whatever. 
That team wound up 250-something, I think, in Ken Palm. And Southern Miss was 324 coming in. That one was neutral site somewhere. This one was on the road. Or excuse me, this one was at home. I just think in, in terms of ugliness, that that's the worst one I think they've lost since I've covered them. Well, I honestly have to say I didn't go back and watch it. I watched just I just the stats is all I looked at. And that's really all you need to see in a game like that. The only other time I can say that on a positive note, I don't know if you remember the year we lost to Furman. Furman, yeah. And uh, everyone at the time, I think we were one and four, uh, are starting the non-conference. And everyone thought, oh, this team's not going to win 10 games. And we wound up going to Sweet 16. So, you know, it's all about shooting. It is. Now, I know there's some other things that the bigs – I've been very disappointed in the bigs right now. And I don't know if that's coming from coaching and and scheme, but uh, Liam Robbins and Quentin Moore-Brown, if you go back and watch our last two games of the NIT and then watch them now, I don't even look like the same players. No. I'm not going to point out individual names, but the, the bigs have to do a better job, whatever it's taking, whatever needs to be changed there. Beating Temple on the road – Tuesday would Ooh. would do a lot for confidence, but boy, you lose that one. You're zero and three, and and you're coming home for Morehead State on Friday. Yeah, you, you, Temple just beat Villanova. Villanova right. was ranked, I think, uh, and we all know what a program Villanova has. So, yeah, and and playing in Philly, it's going to be. T- yeah, I, that was one on the schedule when I went through. You know, well, we all go through and say could win, should win, that type of thing. Right now, I had us at one and one, and I had us going one and two. So, in my mind, if we beat Temple, we've made up for one loss, and we need it. Well, we need it bad. This is where they had to clean up if they were going to make postseason. I, I think I said I was I was being a little optimistic, and I was also leaning on the computers. I was surprised the computers had them as high as they did, and usually. Pomeroy and Bart Torvik, they do a pretty good job. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll lean on that. Because if, if they're going to get to the NIT, they're going to need to lose two, maybe three games in the non-conference portion because I think the SEC is just going to be that tough. So the, the get-right portion is going to have to start now if they're going to have any chance of making the NIT, which I just don't see it with their talent. But – as you pointed out, Kevin Stallings had that loss to Furman, and that was a lot later in the season than this one. I think that was a yeah. maybe between Christmas and New Year's loss. No, that team had Byers and Foster, uh, which <laughs> this team doesn't yeah. have anything close to those kids, but but you do make a, a point there. But, you know, I will say this, and uh, we're as athletic as we've ever been. There's no question about that. But oh, I don't know. Athleticism and basketball is two different things. It's funny. Shelton Quarles and I, when Shelton was at Vanderbilt, Shelton's an incredible athlete. I'm certainly not, but I could beat Shelton one on one in basketball because I could shoot. <laughs> you know, Shelton could dunk it over me, but he couldn't shoot. So you know, athleticism sometimes. I, which you know, you you disagree with me, and that's fine. But which other team you think's more athletic? Oh, the, the the Stallings team that had Lance Goldburn and Taylor and Azili and those guys, and even Tinsley was an underrated athlete. That that's the team that I I think the the team that beat Kentucky in the SEC tournament, I think was more athletic. 
But, yeah, and I guess my argument with that would be, yeah, but you had a guy like John Jenkins that could fill it up. You, we don't have well, you did, team. but you had Jeff Taylor just about hitting his head oh, on the rim on right. dunks, and as Ely underneath is a is a shot blocking yeah. machine. I I don't think. In fact, I I'll be. I didn't air this concern, but when I right. when we got the ten minute glimpse at practice that we got, I looked at mm-hmm. them and the, just the first thought I had was I don't think they're athletic enough. Yeah. I guess we just well, see that, it a little differently. Yeah, yeah, we do. That's fine. That's fine. Um, some of the, uh, I guess my point as much as anything, I, me thinking they're athletic, athleticism a lot of times, and you've seen it with Memphis teams in time, the team we just played, a lot of times those guys couldn't put it in the hole either. And that's the right. kind of teams that underachieve. Yeah. Well, losing Pippen is just everything because you have some guys that can do some things, but they need other guys. Like Jordan Wright and Miles Studi can hit shots and make some plays. But if they don't have a guy like a Pippen who's drawing the defense, you don't seem to get much out of him, at least not from what they have shown so far. Well, I think I think uh, Manjohn, uh, he does a great job. He's quick as lightning. If he gets into the paint, he's going to start shooting more. Uh, now, maybe he just can't make them. You know, I think the game against Memphis, he had six points, I think. He needs to be like a 10-point kind of guy. That way, yeah. it loosens it up, and those three pointers aren't as contested. I, I just felt like the Memphis game. A lot of our threes that we missed because they were rushing them, especially early in the game. And the freshman, of course, did that. But it's because they didn't feel a threat of even if we penetrated, we weren't going to shoot it. And the bigs, I go back to the bigs too. I just I don't get it. It's not, we our inside game is null and void right now. Yeah, Robbins apparently was just not any good at all the other night. And I don't get the whole bringing him off the bench thing. Remember in the NIT games, Chris, we played Robbins and, and Q at the same time, and we looked fantastic out there. Yeah. And we haven't done that because we, there's not a need to. But who knows? Maybe that's the whole well, thing. I, I don't know about that now. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying, but you've got to find the chemistry. Do you agree that playing 13 players won't work? Well, I, th- I think that's prohibited. But <laughs> what, what was I mean, what was talk- interested? Uh, you, oh, you don't mean it once? Um, no, I mean I, I think that's hard. But the the thing that I found interesting, and all I caught from the other night was his comments to Tim Thompson in the post game. And he said, we'll figure out offense. It's defense that worries me. And I, I'm just thinking, I, what, what am I, <laughs> what am I well, missing? Not- because I, I saw a team that could not get off an open shot. No, I agree with, with you. Any, with any regularity in the Memphis game when it was still a game. And again, I have not seen the Southern Miss game, but when he scored 48 against Southern Miss, Southern Miss won one game. In Conference USA last year, I think they've oh, they switched the leagues, one, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Southern Miss. It's been five years since Southern Miss won double-digit games overall, not in the conference overall. I'm just thinking, based on what I saw, and based on scoring 48 points against Southern Miss, I just don't get it. I mean, maybe you. Maybe he saw something else in those secret scrimmages. I mean, they did beat Xavier, but I mean, those things can be 
we said it before, those things can be weird at times. You're trying out different things. Some coaches aren't playing to win those. So maybe there's an explanation in there, but just publicly what I've seen, I don't get it. Well, and Chris, change the subject just a little bit. You and I disagree on one other thing. I don't think the conference is as strong as it. I don't. I, I was looking at scores early on, obviously what Tennessee did yesterday. South Carolina looks doesn't look good to me. Georgia doesn't look good to me. Missouri is running up and down the floor, scoring a lot of points, but they don't. I don't think they're very good. I just think there's four or five teams that aren't very good. And I, I may be wrong, but uh, – Yeah, I, I, I disagree. Um, I mean, there, okay, there, there's some things. First of all, Tennessee lost to Colorado on the neutral floor. Uh, that was not – I mean, Colorado's not bad. Not, Tad Boyle's a good coach. <laughs> well, but no, no, you're right. Um, you know, Arkansas is playing without its best player. Kentucky's playing without its best player. It's looked pretty good. I, I think Alabama may be the team that people have slept on a little bit. Auburn didn't look as good as I thought it would. Florida, I think, is – let's see. Florida's 2-0, and and it is beaten. Okay, Stony Brook, Kennesaw State, you don't learn anything from that. A&M, Mississippi State, both undefeated. Um, in fact, Vandy is – Vandy and Georgia and Tennessee are the only three teams to take losses. Now, Georgia, okay, Georgia just lost by 10 points at Wake Forest. Steve Forbes does a really good job there. Um, and South Carolina just beat Clemson. Now, South Carolina, you talk right. about reloading. South Carolina doesn't have anybody from last year's team that played more than 15 minutes back on its team. And it brought in a, a top, what, top five freshman, top six. Um, so there's right. there's that. Yeah, and then they lost their – but the first game they barely – they beat South Carolina Upstate by like a last-second field goal. They, they, that's true. Right. They, they did win a three-point game against uh, a Ken Palm 325. But, I mean, beating Clemson 63 and Ken Palm, that's a nice win. Sure. Just like if we beat Temple, all will be forgotten about Southern Miss. Right. But – Right. I just think early in the season, Chris, there's so much to – they're trying to feel their way and get their rotations and that type of thing. You know, I, I think that that's just the way it is early on in the season. I think you, you get popped because, first of all, kids are not – they don't get into some of these games. They're flat as a flitter sometimes. I don't get that. That's where the coaching comes in. If you want to blame coaches for anything, that would be the one. Is how you how in the world you, you only get to play thirty of them guaranteed? How can you not be ready to play when you know? Yeah, and and to Jerry's credit, and this has been the truth every year he's been here. They are playing their best ball mid to late February on, which is how you want to do it. Certainly, that was the case yeah. last year, but. Right, I was I was a little concerned. I mean, the, the shooting's one thing, and just this whole this whole thing where he can't get the engagement that he wants from his upperclassmen. Um, I, I get that people like that freshman class, uh, but everybody's recruiting star freshmen in this league now, and you, you're not going to win riding freshmen in this league this year. And so that that's the part that's got to straighten out. There's no question. And there again, that's the thing. If you don't if you don't get it out of those older guys and you know how it is nowadays. These older guys will quit on you quick because they, first of all, right. if they're a junior got the ability left, they'll flip on you. 
and they'll just say, okay, I'll go somewhere else and finish it out. You okay. know, you gotta that be is careful. also true. It's a balancing act big time now. I, I, I would not want to be a coach right now in this climate. I really wouldn't. Because you got to keep a lot of people happy. And it's hard to do that. It's hard to find playing time for all these kids. And Vanderbilt has a lot of players with the same abilities. And a lot of interchangeable parts there. Yeah. Okay, parting thoughts before – go ahead. Well, I'll say one more thing. Studi led the SEC in three-point shooting, correct? He did, yeah. Okay, so we've got supposedly a shooter. To me, and Eddie Foger was the best I ever saw at Vanderbilt doing this, get him some shots, some open looks. And maybe it's because Miles didn't move quick enough or whatever, but all of, most of his threes are contested or rushed. Yeah. You know, and he's, he's a good shooter. You know, yeah. If you get him hooks, uh, you know that'll help us a ton. Yeah, well, and, and being six seven, you you do shoot over some people just by virtue right. of that, so that helps. But I just I did I didn't like their looks in the first half of the Memphis game, and I, I don't think that was well. Some of it was certainly on them. I just don't think they've got a lot of guys who can rate shots. And Memphis is old and can really defend, and I just felt that zone uh, they were getting out on shooters. And playing a zone, and, and that was that was trouble for them. Uh, one more thing, and, I'll, and we can quit on this. To me, also the Memphis game, I was sitting with my best friend, Daryl Lovell, Blake Lovell's dad, and we both said the ball sticks on offense way too much. Yeah, it, you know Memphis, it's like they already know what that next pass is going to be, and and we were like, okay, stop, wait for a ball screen. It just seemed like there was no fluidity to it. And I'll tell you the thing I like so far as Colin Smith. He was a point away from a double-double. Uh, that kid's yep. going to help them a lot. He will. And that's the thing. you got to get it down, rotation down to nine. Because you know as well as I do, Chris, you play basketball. you got to be in the game. You know, playing two and three, four minutes, you can't even get your sea legs. you got to get minutes. And I know early in the season he's trying to figure it out. But that's the thing. Colin Smith needs to play more minutes. And some people going to have to sit. Yeah, they played 12 guys against Southern Miss, although three of those guys played single-digit minutes. Having said that, um, two of those were Lewis and Ansong playing nine, so they were close. Didn't they play 13? Didn't Noah Shelby get in the game? Shelby, play, Shelby played six minutes. So they played 13 guys. Correct? Well, uh, let's see. I think that's right. I, I count 12. Well, they're, they're missing a scholarship. Well, no, 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 no. That's right. When they lost the kid to Memphis, they signed Ansel. So who didn't play? I think they all played. Because I Dort was didn't, thinking Ansel. Dort didn't play. Uh, Dort did not play. Dort, oh, Dort okay. didn't play against Southern Miss. That's the one that's missing. Okay. Okay. Anything we didn't cover today that's worth mentioning? No, just a, you know, a, a relief to a lot of Vanderbilt fans. Um, enjoy the win. Uh, I, I certainly hope we have a great crowd Saturday. I hope our fans show up. I know Florida fans don't travel, so there won't be a ton of them. Um, we have a chance to have an actual home field advantage. So let's go out and support the kids. And, hey, who knows? Who knows? We may, we may get another SEC win this year. Hey, thanks a bunch, Luke. We'll see you next week. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.